Hey, New Orleans Pelicans fans, welcome back to Protect the Nest, your podcast is 82% New Orleans Pelicans, 100% New Orleans. And we have a special guest here today, it's Jesse Brooks from Fox 8, he's a digital media content producer over there, and he was reaching out on Twitter saying that, that, that he wanted to talk about how people view the media, how media put stuff out there, and how fans can learn how to better maybe gauge what, what to trust and what not to trust. So, today we got Jesse, Jesse, how you doing? Gotcha, gotcha. Well, did the intro, Jesse Fox 8 News here. You posted on Twitter that you wanted to talk more about the media approach to how this team's going. And today's a great day to do it because you got the Ben Simmons stuff and the Jackson Hayes stuff out there. Tell the people where they can find you on Twitter and, and what, what your thoughts are on how, how that's being folded out today. Uh, so you can follow me at Jesse C. Brooks. That's the letter C. In between Jesse and Brooks, so uh, go there. You'll see everything that I'm uh, that that pops out of my brain. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it, 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 it's a wild time. I uh, wrote a column recently about all of this called the Vultures of Zion Land, and um, it, basically, I kind of address. Um, media landscape in New Orleans, what that looks like and how it applies to uh, a player of Zion's pedigree in New Orleans. And we've actually, you know, this will be the third time that we've gone through something like this now um, with, you know, first starting with Chris Paul and, and then um, Anthony Davis and and uh, Zion. And I guess you could even count Mark Cousins in that mix. Uh, as far as major stars um, playing on the NBA team and a very small market and how that franchise handles that, that situation within the market. And um, each time has been a little bit of a different result, but in the end, it's kind of the final result. There, there's usually a flurry of success, um, but nothing sustained for the long term, expect- Except for the Zion thing, looks like it might have been over before it ever began. Right, and this is going over two different ownership groups as well. Right. So, uh, do you think right. looking at two different ownership groups, it's more of like media narratives that come out, the stratosphere tiers of the media that's in New Orleans, and the messaging they put out, or maybe something the team's doing? Um. So you know, uh, looking at this from the lens of you know a couple decades now. Um, it might just be the case that this particular franchise um, can't handle a star of Zion's stature. Um, that doesn't mean it can't handle an NBA team. Um, but when you when you talk about a player like Zion, you're talking about a once in a generation talent. You know, there, of course, he still has to prove that by getting on the court. Uh, I want to make that very clear, but. Um, if he does pan out and he is what he's supposed to be, um, then we're talking about once generation talent that's comparable to LeBron James, uh, you know, Kobe Bryant, or James Harden, Kevin Durant, those kind of level players. Um, now we've seen multiple NBA teams over the years, uh, especially recently, have success with, you know, maybe one star and a bunch of mid-level guys or, you know, a bunch of really, really good guys, um, you know, but not one of those top five guys. Um, 
I, I think that might be what we're looking at um, for something for New Orleans to strive for. It just seems like every time that there is a you know top ten talent, or really if you want to shorten that list, like a uh, top five, top seven talent in New Orleans, things kind of crash and burn before it ever really takes off the ground, or there's not a sustained era of success. Um, and there's always a number of factors to that. But if we want to look at it through the lens of the media landscape in New Orleans, uh, to put it in perspective, New Orleans is quite literally the smallest major market in America. As far as TV markets go, and they're all listed um, you know, uh, by, by an industry standard, the top 50 markets in America are considered major markets. And New Orleans ranks right there at number 50. The only market in the M- that has an NBA team that's smaller than New Orleans is Memphis, and they're right there at 51. Right, but looking at it from maybe the team's perspective, you could say LaMelo's working out in Charlotte, John Morant's working out in Memphis. It can't just be stars and don't like New Orleans. Maybe it's a different type of star, where Zion and AD... I mean, AD wouldn't even let the FedEx driver up the gate. You know, you had to ring a bell and do all that kind of nonsense. Uh, Zion maybe is just, he, he's sheltered under his step-parents, uh, stepdad and his mom. Maybe they just he, he, it's just not the city for him, but we could find the right star. Well, you know, one thing I want to say about Zion, not really sure how he feels. He's been very silent. Uh, we haven't heard much from him at all. And um, I think... There's always going to be some vultures surrounding a small market team that has you know, a humongous star player like that. But in this situation, you're looking at a franchise that hasn't had much success in the last couple of years, and now their franchise player is almost mysteriously, uh, you know, it is, let's be honest, facing possibly being out for the entire season in year three and he missed much time in his rookie season. Um, so this injury history added to the equation just makes that uh, that path to creating some kind of a long-lasting relationship, it, it just makes it a whole lot more difficult. Um, with Anthony Davis, you know, um, we can even say that Pelicans probably did do a lot right in that time. They got faced with a lot of bad luck, and it almost worked out. They got him to sign um, you know, a pretty good extension, and he seemed happy for the most part, um, but there almost like was like some infiltration as far as uh, personality types coming into uh, the roster, and you know, you know these guys talk all the time, and, and with New Orleans kind of falling short on accomplishing something like what Portland has done with Damian Lillard over the years um, definitely gave uh, an inroad to lay a foundation in Anthony Davis's mind whether he came to this conclusion or people influenced him to come to this conclusion um, you know that there was a reason to get out uh, so you know all the factors can definitely be different um, but as far as what's going on right now in New Orleans and um, fans not quite understanding uh, 
what's going on with Zion and, and, and multiple different narratives coming out out there. There's two two factors that go into that. One is the team and the player choosing silence as an option, which I mean, when you're when you're offering up that much silence, fans are going to start filling in the gaps, and uh, that's never really a great thing. <laughs> Um, you know, you can control your own narrative, uh, but uh, if you're putting out no narrative, someone's going to create a narrative for you. Well, that's um, that's the thing. The, the email. Opposite side of that. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, the thing is, their emails about Zion's updates. They're always just emails. You don't hear Griff talking, and you won't hear Zion talking until he's available to play because that's the the CBA says he can just write. You know, he can rehab, and he doesn't have to speak. But yeah, go ahead on what you. Uh, the the opposite side of that is that with New Orleans being such a small market, you only have a handful of media members available to even cover the team. Um, a lot of a lot of the publications around here, whether it's a publication or a TV news station or a radio station. Um, there aren't a whole lot of Pelicans cover guys in, in the sense that that is their only job. You know, a lot of these guys wear multiple hats. They're doing uh, high school sports coverage. They're doing LSU or, or Tulane or whatever local colleges are around uh, and, and multiple sports and a whole lot of Saints stuff because there's a, you know, we all know the long-standing Saints tradition pre-Super Bowl and post-Super Bowl. Um, and that's in the culture. So, you know, that does take a, uh, you know, a little more um, prominence over uh, focusing on the Pelicans. I can tell you that probably this perspective for sports media guys around the city of New Orleans uh, on the Pelicans is that I have so much to do that if that franchise acts like they're serious, then I'll get serious. But if not, I, I just cannot bog my time down. And I know that's bizarre to think of for an NBA team, but that just kind of is part of the issue with just being shorthanded in the media market here. Yeah, the Pelicans market extends out to places like uh, Mobile and Pensacola and Jackson and stuff like that, but reporters are not leaving those areas to come down to Smoothie King Center and, and, and cover that stuff at extended period of time. Like they'll, they'll put a spotlight on it, but they're usually going to turn around and look towards their partners in New Orleans to help give them source material. And so it, it's it's just kind of um, coverage is kind of a scarce thing to go around, and um, there's just not a lot about it. But I mean, the Pelicans probably can change that themselves if they could put together at least like three, four, five years of solid progress. Right. Uh, nobody from Pensacola is going to come to New Orleans and film a spot when you can just get B-roll footage from Fox 8 or something like yourself. But to your point, way back in the day, a few years ago, the Ringer put out that article that said the New Orleans Pelicans was the loneliest beat in professional sports. And anybody listen to this, you've only got one dedicated local writer and by that I mean local paper and that's the times pick you got Christian Clark sure Andrew Lopez is local he you know he's went to school here he coached here same thing for Will 
he was over the Tom's pick, but they're now at ESPN and the LF Athletic. They travel with the team, but they're national, and they're going to be getting directives from you know national editors, not local editors, and that that makes a big difference when you're trying to form up a story. Uh, yeah, maybe, but I, I mean, I do think that those guys are pretty much local as it gets. They fortunately work for publications that are big enough to allow them to have a specialized beat. Um, but the difference between New Orleans and say like uh, Charlotte, even though you know a lot of people don't think of Charlotte as a big major market, but I mean it's up there in like I, I believe in the top twenty in America. But there's going to be just that many more writers that are on someone's payroll that's gotten media training that or gotten degrees or or they've had a career in media that are assigned to that team and just that team and in New Orleans that's just not really the reality you know I think maybe sometimes people some fans kind of get into fan led media coverage looking or hoping that there's some Pelicans job they can fall into and it's not to say that it's impossible that that it won't happen but often the uh, vacancies are just not there Right, I mean, there's a vacancy at Forbes, but I just left there. Other than that, SB Nation, they've got Ollie. Uh, Pelican Debrief and Span Sided, uh, Aaron doesn't even live here. He's up in Wisconsin, you know what I mean? Uh, they don't travel with it. So when you're looking at tiers, you got the, you know you, your main three of Christian Clark, Will Guillory, Andrew Lopez. Below that, I'd put Ollie, Fletcher Mackle when he's on the Pelicans beat, you know, a few other people, and then... I, I mean, I throw myself in there just because I'm the only other person in the press box that I can name besides for a hunter at the Gazebo Gazette, and that is just a weekly paper for his his county in, in Mississippi. It, you know, it goes online, but nobody's going to go – nobody in California is going to find Pelicans news from the Gazebo Gazette unless they're really looking. So it's hard to find stuff about the Pelicans. And, and, well, and you know what? To give the Pelicans credit, they are extremely – open and gracious who they give media credentials to because um, you know I, I've worked at some of the smallest publications imaginable and probably from the beginning because I was in their market you know they, they've always gave me a spot if there was a spot to get out um, right and they've got placards up there for WDSU and everybody but most of those guys are the anchors they're watching the game and doing the spot right. from the studio they're not in the arena so you get a little bit different coverage, and I think I pointed that out before uh, the or after the Detroit game, right before the Zion news was coming. You, you could watch the main three guys and watch Griff and the other people, and that they were acting different. You knew something was coming, but that's something you only got if you were in the building and watching for it. Yeah, right. And and you know with the situations that are going on with Zion right now, it can be really hard to understand what's going on with them because I, for one obviously the team is suffocating information coming out and I think in, in my opinion it seems that um, they're, they're doing that to protect Zion uh, it, it seems to me that you know this is before even David Griffin that the franchise has tried to use uh, the ability to keep information quiet or keep narratives quiet to protect certain players. They've tried to use 
their ability to do that as leverage for some players, whether it's recruiting them to come there or recruiting them to stay there, and, and which is always an interesting angle to take um, you know, for an NBA team, but it also has been trans- translated to a lot of wins. The only one that I can really think of that kind of paid off in a way was um, the way that they handled uh, Drew Holiday's personal situations, uh, him and Lauren's medical situation while she was pregnant. And, you know, Drew stayed and signed an extension with them, and um, they got, you know, into the playoffs after that, and that had a little bit of success, but ultimately we traded him to Milwaukee. So this whole pitch of telling guys, hey, we're, we're bigger than the big big markets, I mean, we're different than the big markets. We can we can hide all your secrets. Using that as a leverage chip is kind of odd, and it really hasn't translated to a lot of wins. No, no, it's not going to translate the wins because we just don't have the talent. We've been top-heavy, you know, AD, Boogie, even going back to Chris Paul and Tyson Chandler and David West, those benches, they get stretched, which most NBA benches get stretched when you get to the playoffs because, let's face it, there's only two, four teams. You mentioned uh, Portland earlier. Yeah, they hit that ceiling of the Western Conference Finals, but they were two bounces away from being out of the first round that year, so... That that that's it's hard to judge by where teams get in the playoffs some years. But uh, looking at all the Zion and the Star stuff, though, why does none of this why does none of this get asked and translated to Brandon Ingram? In your opinion? Wait, wait, what gets translated to Brandon Ingram? Like everybody's worried about Zion leaving town, but Brandon Ingram's our actual star on the on the court doing actual work. Why is none of this conversation that happened around Chris Paul, AD? Zion, why is why is Brandon Ingram, you know, not had to deal with that in your opinion? You know what? I think it's Brandon Ingram's nature, uh, him being really quiet. Uh, I, it it kind of is. Now, it didn't matter for Kawhi Leonard. He's a superstar, being quiet or standoffish or whatever you want to call it. But for some reason, with Brandon Ingram, and I guess it's because he's had a longer road to development. And some of that has to do with getting his body right, getting his mind right, and uh, fixing some bad habits. But it's coming along for him. Um, I, I think his demeanor and his nature kind of prevents him from being a big star. Also, the lack of success. So people just are not thinking of Brandon Ingram as a, a real franchise face, a real franchise star. I, you know, in some ways, I think it's kind of fair. Like, um, he just came into the league so raw, and we're kind of just seeing him at that projected level now. And it's, it's taken several years, which is which is fine. I think you know we can afford to give some young guys time in this league. Um, but he's coming into his own now, and it's more like uh, for him to get that kind of respect, it has to happen now. Uh, what he does now kind of will determine how he's perceived uh, for the rest of his career. But it, I think just with people not thinking of him as uh, a bona fide star, they, they, they're just not factoring in these elements like they do for Zion or anyone that they try to write off as someone that's going to bolt from a small market team. Now, I, I said it was kind of weird. 
criticism and limelight away from you if that's if you're more of a shy guy or you need to focus on your game. That I think has kind of worked for Brandon Ingram, I, and I think you know that is something that's a factor in him wanting to stay there. Maybe him even wanting to be comfortable there. Now, if they continue to lose, like he might change the way that he feels on that. Uh, but as for right now, it does seem like New Orleans has been a place where he's been able to get his mind right, get his game right, and do that away from the harshest of critics. But for someone like Zion that came in with so much fanfare, you know, people even saying that he's possibly the next LeBron, it doesn't matter if it's L.A. or New Orleans or whatever, those critics are going to come. And I, the critics that are surrounding the team now, they're more concerned with Zion than they really are the organization. They'll drag the organization's name through the mud if they think it gets Zion closer to getting out of there. But, I mean, I, mean, I don't think that they're very focused on whether Brandon Ingram stays there or not. Um, it's All eyes are on Zion. Uh, which I think all of that situation is kind of a shame. Um, it's disappointing that Zion hasn't been able to get on the floor. But to me, uh, just the development of Brandon Ingram in, it, in itself is an interesting story. And I hope that um, some accolades get added, added to his resume as he goes along because I think he's a guy that really deserves it. And he's a guy that deserves a better team than what he's on right now. Right, he'll get a better team eventually just because Griff, Griff, I think, is building for it, and that's why he's saying this trade for the play-in and pushing for the play-in spot. I think it's more for B.I. than Zion at this point. But for the media, even taking some of the maybe the malice of the narratives out of it, I think there's a line of demarcation for some of these players where if you're born a star, a LeBron, a AD, a Zion, you're going to get the critics and this and that. But if you grow into a star like B.I., it's a little bit yeah. different. They get they get a little bit right. of a leeway, in in, yeah. a, in a sense. Yeah, I would I would totally agree with that. And it, yeah, the story just gets written different. It's almost like, well, this guy came out of nowhere, or they you know they'll start telling the improbable star to uh, story to this guy's rise and, and things like that, which is which is fine. I mean, those stories might even be more interesting than the, the, the guy that comes in with everything, you know, on a platter. Um, it's difficult for Zion right now because it, it, the world was supposed to be in his hands and it his story looks like a tragedy right now. Right, well, the world was in his hands and half of the people think he ate it and the other half think he tripped over it. And that, that's a tough thing for anybody to come back from, but especially a kid who's always been, not say sheltered, but small media. He's never had the, the spotlight on him. He was really sheltered at Duke, you know, as far as media availability and people looking in on him. They they kept it pretty quiet. But, yeah, looking at where this organization is going to take it, they've got to do something. I don't think they give up on B.I. and Zion yet. But where do you see them going with this team to maybe try and correct the faults that they've made and win some of the fans back and maybe get in the media's good graces so that Fox 8 and the rest of them start showing up and covering the team more in-depth? Well, I think right now they just kind of need to be patient. You know, I, I don't um, – I, I, you might even just have to 
to call this year a wash. You still have Zion under contract after this. You still have B.I. under contract after this. And then you don't have guys that are bogged down in bad contracts either. Um, you got, you got a lot of guys that are on uh, rookie deals or, or, or people that are easily tradable. And you know, there's still a lot of upward climbing that you can go from here. This isn't like situations under Anthony Davis's tenure where AD would miss half the season uh, and you got to eat up a whole year or two of Omar Ostrich's contract or something like that, you know, like, um, it, it sucks the way things are right now, but you got to look at it as you still have B.I., you still have Zion, um, maybe Graham is better if, you know, if, if he's not dealt in, in a deal soon, I, I don't know if he will or won't. All right, he's just a stopgap situation for me. Devontae Graham, he's a good player, but he's not going to change the difference of this team one way or the other. Oh, no, no. And uh, I, I don't think you ever really was brought here for that so much. There's so many guys that are on the roster right now that's like, man, if Zion was playing and he was giving you 27 points a game, you know, uh, Devontae Graham could probably shoot a lot better. Uh, in the starting lineup, and he would really stretch the court a lot doing that. Uh, Jay, you know, uh, Jonas would stretch the floor a lot um, and be a perfect complement to Zion instead of big sections of the game having to put things on his back. Um, and probably Nikhil would play better. If you remember for that small stretch last season when Nikhil and uh, Zion we're in the starting lineup together. Nikhil played his best basketball ever. Um, but you've got a lot of guys that just are not very good um, when the defense can really focus on them. They're, they're, they're like parts to something else, parts to a different puzzle. And it's almost like you have to reform this team to be totally something totally different without Zion in the lineup. And what's a shame is this group, of odd assembled players never got uh, even one single look as to what it's supposed to be like with Zion in rotation. Um, so they've had to do a lot of weird adjusting on the spot. And um, it, it's really hard to kind of gauge on where you build from there. But, I mean, there's, there's kind of two things you need to get ready for. You need to get ready for the possibility that what if Zion is a medical case that can never come, really, really, truly come back. You need to go just build a basketball team and Zion can get himself ready to just join and be a part of um, because it doesn't seem like building a team where he's doing like 90% of the heavy lifting. I don't you know. I don't know when you can count on him or something like that again. Well, and how's it rub the other players when it makes when they all feel like oh we were waiting for a savior instead of just waiting to welcome someone back into the team? That's a way different dynamic for locker room construction and chemistry. Sure, sure. Um, you know, and at some point it might just be that there are guys on the roster that 
are useful or can be useful, but maybe they have to be useful somewhere else. Because uh, the fit is just weird. Right. Uh, that's why you get the Jackson Hayes news today that he's on the trading block. I don't think the Pelicans will ever pick up another option on Jackson Hayes. Uh, like, like you said earlier, New Orleans is small. It's 50th. This is one of the smallest little villages. It's called a city. Word gets around if you start messing around in this city. And, you know, bartenders talk to other bartenders. And I won't drop too much else, but I can tell you this. The person that helped Jackson Hayes at Texas is bartending at, like, two miles away from my house. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've run into people over on... Uh, yeah, I don't need to drop all that, but but that that's out there. I think Jackson's got to go. And you saying to to transfer it back to this, saying call this season a wash. You can't really call the season a wash and then go to the draft with Jackson Hayes up because then what's Griffin's draft history besides Zion and Herb Jones? It's it's nothing. Nikhil, eh, maybe Kyra, he's out. Jackson will be gone. What else do you have? Well, I, I think I think Trey Murphy will pan out. Um, he's he's a one hundred percent authentic NBA rookie. Um, he looked good in summer league and preseason and stuff like that. But you know, those are different levels of basketball than NBA regular season. Yeah, he's and, doing the headlights uh, now. I, I think he has a lot of tools. Uh, I think he will be a stopper on defense. He rebounds well. Uh, he's got, you know, a, a lot of good length, and he can shoot the basketball. Uh, the things that I see uh, with him right now that you'll see in a normal rookie is that his body is just not up to NBA strength right now. And um, you know, a lot of times he's slow on uh, defensive assignments or he gets lost. And those, those things are natural. And... Yeah, honestly, if the Pelicans weren't so riddled with the injuries right now, you could probably let Trey Murphy get really valuable minutes in, in Birmingham. Um, but as far as the injuries go with this team, I, you can't really do that. Now, you can send them up there every now and then, but you, you can't hold them there. Right. I think we'll see Kyra back over in Alabama playing for Birmingham because, hey, if the G League's good enough for Clay Thompson – there's no reason he shouldn't, you know, when he comes back, be over there. And that's a reason I think people will get excited uh, to, to, to in Birmingham and that media market to start paying attention to the Pelicans because there'll be that back and forth. And maybe this Pelicans team can grow their, their footprint and their media, you know, uh, 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 I guess, visibility a little bit more. Well, you know what? Like, I think sometimes when it comes to the G League, people look at it as some kind of demotion or something like that. That's not really what it's there for. Um, if, I'm not even a big baseball fan, but uh, if, if you can look at it through more of the lens of the MLB or NHL with hockey, um, you, they're not just for rookies to play. They're develop, pure development guys. It's It's... Those teams are there for a ramp up, you know. That's why we saw like Clay Thompson go there to before he's coming back, and um, you know, like it, in baseball, they send vets down to farm teams all the time. They get, they get them warmed up, and then they call them right back. And I mean, that's what the teams are there for, you know. It's not just to say, you know, 
you're being demoted right now, you're going to the doghouse. It doesn't have to be uh, seen negatively like that. Um, and, I mean, that's really the luxury of the Pelicans now having their own G League team. That's uh, many years into the future, that's going to pay off big time. Right, and I was more looking like, you know, Birmingham's closer to Atlanta. If you're in northwest Birmingham, you might be more of an Atlanta Hawks fan than a Pelicans fan. But that G League team's close enough. One, you can send players back and forth, but also it helps, again, grow that media visibility. And I look at it more like uh, soccer, where you have the full team, but you have the U23s. There's always somebody, not always, but there's usually somebody that's getting their rehab for the first team with the U23s that's older than 23. It's, again, a ramp-up period. So, so we've ramped up for about a good half hour. If you want to, throw one more out there just where people can find you. And tell us, you know, maybe the trade deadline, the market's open. Who's the, who's, who would you want to bring in? Who, what's, your, what's your best case scenario for this team going forward? I don't know if it's really truly likely, but my wish list would be De'Aaron Fox. I think he's a... A high-quality player. He's not exactly a superstar. But that could be really good and really good for this team. And he's a hometown guy. It would just be all too perfect for New Orleans. Again, I don't know how realistic that is. But if that were my wish pick, I would definitely say De'Aaron Fox. Gotcha. See, and my wish list is just don't trade Josh Hart. It's that simple. I Honestly, man, you know... Sometimes people want flashier play out of their guards, but to me, Josh Hart has been every bit of an NBA starter as a guard. You know, there's sometimes guards that start and start lineups that really are just lunch pill guys. Sometimes those guys are in the bench, but sometimes they serve well in the starters, depending on you know who else is in, in that lineup. Like with the Pelicans, they've got you know a really great small forward and uh, Brandon Ingram and then you've got another great defensive forward and Herb Jones and a super solid center uh, and Jonas so Josh Hart is kind of the perfect guard for that lineup at the the level that he's been playing this season yeah he's a one man fast break highest level yeah Uh, my bad, I didn't want to cut you off, but yeah, he's a one-man fast oh, break. Yeah. I mean, he got a rebound against yeah. Detroit, and he was all, literally on his ass, 93 feet away from the rim. Did not give the ball up to Sadoransky, and we all said thank you. Uh, <laughs> but he got all the way to the rim, literally six inches away from the rim of the ball, but he was going to get blocked. He kicked it out to Tay, over to B.I., hit a three-pointer. And his pass, Josh Hart's passing has been better than ever. He, everything he's doing this year has been better than ever. And I, I wouldn't mind seeing him get more run and more more responsibilities in that role. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, I, if, if, if you don't mind giving me um, a final statement here, I, I do kind of want to say a few things about uh, media coverage as far as it relates to Zion. Um, I just want to kind of warn uh, fans out there um, you know, don't go looking in odd places for Zion news. I know we're not getting enough Zion news from the team or himself or his management. It, we're not getting enough. Um, and that is unfortunate. But 
also want to advise don't look for it where it's not really there <laughs> you know the, the, there might be guys out there that said you know well uh, I know a guy whose best friends was Zion's cousin and he told me you know, just avoid all that just, um, the, the news will eventually come when it comes and um, you know when it does come check who you're getting it from um, we might not have a whole lot of beat guys for the Pelicans in the city but the ones we have are fantastic and they're very they're stand up guys and they're not going to steer you wrong um, so when those guys bring forth that information they'll have it and uh, trust it when you see it from them uh, that goes for anything always check where your information is coming from check the job occupation behind uh, who's putting it out there also understand the difference between um, guys that are reporters reporting just plain simple facts guys that are entertainers guys that are commentators um, you know, uh, with the scarcity of media in the city, uh, there's a lot of fan-led media, and it doesn't mean that fan-led media is bad. In fact, it's good, and it's necessary for the engagement of this game. Uh, just try to make a distinction between, you know, who's giving commentary and their opinion and, you know, being cool with it. Um, try to avoid those guys that are trying to bleed <laughs> what is their opinion versus what is an actual breaking news fact. Um, just take some extra time to scope that out. You know, sometimes you might want to look at that before you smash that retweet button or something like that. <laughs> but, um, you know. Um, yeah, now Bleacher, Bleacher Report did that like crazy, especially with BI last year. The 67 some odd days of all these guesses. And if you link back to it, every one of them basically wound up coming from a Cleveland blog. I promise y'all, nobody in Cleveland or Cincinnati knows more about the Pelicans than Jesse here from Fox 8, me, Christian Clark, Andrew Lopez, Will Guillory, Ali Cosell, Fletcher Mackle. If it didn't come from some of us, I, I, don't, I don't believe any of it. Yeah. And, and look, too, there's nothing wrong with a professional or a fan or whoever giving their opinion. Just make it clear that it's your opinion. And, um, you know, don't don't try to hide an opinion as as a fact. That's when we get into weird, dangerous territory, um, and and that goes beyond Zion, goes beyond sports. It's just a, something to keep in mind in life as we try to navigate this crazy media landscape we're in now, where we're consuming more content than we ever have before. Right, and I'll ask you this one because I was I grew up on black and white journalism, be that you know known as print in the newspaper or just the fact that the TV was black and white with Cosell and Bob Woodward and all of them. You you've got to get a, used to some people in the news will add their narrative into the tweet or the story. It's not just straight fact news, even though that's what it used to be. And that's where some people now are skeptical and call it, you know, the fake news, wherever you want to be on the political spectrum. I don't care for this part because you, yeah. you do get people who it's just it's lazy reporting. It's it's something they do. So they get more clicks and more attention instead of more honesty and authenticity into the story. And that's where if you, if, if you want to hold your reputation and be true, you, you might not get paid more than some of them people, but you sleep better at night. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I want to kind of make a clarification as as far as uh, media tradition goes. There always was a tradition 
in sports to give people that are doing coverage a little bit of leeway after they, you know, you lay out your facts or or stats or your data that you got to make an interpretive comment. Your, you know, add your opinion based on fact in between the lines, and that's that's something that sports guys have always took pride in being able to do. And traditionally, we give our sports guys that kind of freedom a little as long as it's within a realistic realm that kind of model has transitioned into um our hard news culture uh especially with you know 24 7 tv news now evolved into internet digital news they've taken the sports model and added their own little interpretations in between you know it's harmless in sports because it's it's damn game <laughs> it's 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 not going to harm someone's life. Um, you say that, but it, it could. It, they, if you say enough lies about some of these players, it does affect their mental health, and that's where some of the even the old school Absolutely. sports reporters, your opinion wasn't supposed to be in it. You make another. It was a sidebar back in the day, or you go to the editorial page, or do something separate. Right. If you reported on the game, you reported on the game. Any other, any of the uh, analytics, all that was for the editorial page, a sidebar, somewhere else. And yeah, it just it seeped into the fact, uh, or seeped into the just the industry in general, and people have just kind of run with it. And this new generation doesn't know how to differentiate between what's what. Yeah, we've we've got more content than ever before, and we're consuming more than ever before. Uh, but we'll get it all sorted out one day. Um, uh, Chris, thank you for having me on. I got to run, uh, but uh, it was fantastic talking to you. Oh man, likewise, and, uh, likewise. We just did we just did 40 minutes. We got the game coming up here in a little bit. Y'all, that's Jesse Brooks over at Fox 8. I believe it was Jesse C. Brooks over on Twitter. Follow him. Check him out. Pels 12, do what you can. Jesse, thanks again, man. And y'all, that's Protect the Nest. And this podcast is brought to you by DraftKings. Football, basketball fans, sports fans, whatever you are, go over to DraftKings. They love action-packed, high-scoring games. They love to hook y'all up because they got this latest no-brainer. From DraftKings Sportsbook, new customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. Just go to the Sportsbook, bet on an NFL game, they win, you get the $100. So, again, download DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN, bet $1 on any team to score, and you win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code TBPN. The Basketball Podcast Network. That's right. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only right now. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. $1 wager. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. And if you got a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. So, again, y'all, that's protecting us. That was Jesse Brooks. I hope y'all enjoy this. We're about to go watch this win over the OKC Thunder and be back in the building for Drew Holiday's return on Friday night. Y'all, protecting us. Thank you so much.